So we kick off a new series called Better Together, and uh, really is a heart cry of our church. You know, if I were to pick a, a building block or a fundamental, uh, Better Together would be a big message in that, that, um, you know, we're not called to not only do it just denominationally, like we're a non-denomination, uh, but really that makes you a denomination, uh, but, but just this idea of like working together is how God accomplishes what he wants to do on the earth. Okay, thank you, John. He's there. Um, but, but this whole idea, you know, united we stand, divided we fall, and this isn't going to be a political series, but I'm just telling you there's the strength in unity. And so today, I want to kick it off, but really over the next couple of weeks, just want to look at all the ways that we are really better together. Um, the scripture is full of calls to unity and calls to togetherness, and it's something that we have to work hard against because our culture calls you to your own iPod, iPad, we create select comfort mattresses and you get in your car and it readjusts to your unique individual. Like everything is about how you want to feel. Are you with me? And, and so it's something that we work against. Um, January 12, 2014, we planted this church. It had its first service on January 12, 2014 and uh, held its very first service. Four months before that, we started gathering in Zealand and talking to the community about what it would look like to start a new church. We weren't sent from another church. We weren't, we weren't planted by another organization that said, hey, do it like this. Uh, we came together asking God what he would have this church be in this town, uh, which has a few other churches in it, but uh, what it would be. And, uh, and we love those other churches. We, we, we connect and bless with them, bless them as well. But we were asking God, like, hey, what's your, you know, what's your heart? What's your desire? What's your plan? And and we started to think, you know, what we really want to build in this church, what we really want to do is we want to create a place that is really complacent. You know, we want to create an atmosphere where people can come in and not grow. You know, we want them to be comfortable. <laughs> we want them to just stay the way they are. Uh, we want them, you know, to certainly never feel motivated or encouraged or inspired. Complacency is something that we want. Um, we, never, yeah, we, never, we never want them to feel inconvenienced. You know, we don't ever want anything that's said from Scripture or the way that the Spirit might prompt them in a song. We would never want any of that to maybe inconvenience their life, so we got to be careful. Uh, we want to make sure that this is a place where people know uh, that it's about doing what's best for themselves. And so when they leave here, we want them to know, hey, you go and make decisions uh, that are solely based on you. And uh, whatever you feel works for you. Uh, we make sure that you only pay attention to your own schedule. And so definitely make sure the way that you connect in your church and in your community, uh, make sure you follow the pattern of seasons. And so make sure when summer comes, you certainly aren't connected or committed. Amen. <laughs> so we want to create a church that looks like that, where you can just drop things as seasons change and, and holidays come. Uh, definitely don't want anything of the kingdom of God to get in the way of that. Amen. So your needs, your desires, we never want you challenged. Uh, we want you in a place where it's all about you. It's all about you, the individual. It's all about you being happy and being comforted. How many know that's not really what we sat around talking about and being dreaming about? Because unfortunately, some of those spiritual environments actually already exist where people do the same old thing and it's about themselves and they never want to be inconvenienced and they never want to grow. Not here. So a, so a church where you're not going to sit back and be entertained, a church where you're not going to uh, just be told whatever makes you feel good. And this is a church where we believe we can make a difference in this world. And making a difference in this world isn't convenient. 
It's not easy. It takes great sacrifice. Uh, you know, uh, we, we just sang it in the song. The team could tell you a little bit better. But we just sang in one of the songs something like, for now, we carry our, the burden of the cross, and one day it's a crown, right? Something like that. Close, close to you. Thumbs up. <laughs> I don't do the singing. Yeah, this is why Maddie and Tiffany and the great team. Uh, but what is it? What is the actual line? Just so we, we bear our cross as we wait for the crown. Like we got something to do while we're here. We got an effort to make, a sacrifice to, amen. And so and, and, and it, it calls us being better together, coming together to see that happen. So we dreamed about a church that makes a difference, that gives itself to its community. We actually prayed this prayer. We didn't pray, hey, God, give us our city. God, just give us our city. We, as a launch team, before this was even a church, as people gathered and joined our team, we prayed, not God, give us our city. We prayed, God, give us to our city. Uh, I was in a church planting conference uh, video chat, something this week, and everybody's talking about the creative ideas that they're growing in their church. And so it comes to be my turn, and they're like, so what did you do in your critical years to, you know, when you launched to grow your church? And I had nothing. Because what we did in the beginning of our church was we just found ways to help the community. We, it wasn't like, how do we get it here? It's like, how do we get there? So we joined Kids Hope, and we, we, we you know what I'm saying? And so we just got involved in our community, and of course, God blessed it and grew us. But the idea has always been, like, how can we come together to make a difference and do something outside of here? Amen. So we prayed God give us to our city. We also make this statement, if our church closed today, would your city even know it? Like, if we were just taken off the map, would it make such a difference in the everyday community? I hope in my prayers that it would, that the, the community would feel an effect. And the way that this works and the way that this actually happens, the way that it needs to happen is by us all coming together. I believe that every person in this room, whether it's your first time here or you've been with us for a while, I believe that every person in this room has a supply that God has given you to partner with our supply as a church to make up the work that we need to do in our community. It's better together. So it's important for us as we head into as you even kind of heard me talk about uh, the summer schedule uh, and, and Memorial Day is next week. And so that's kind of as, you know, church has seasons. Unfortunately, uh, we don't believe in those seasons. We believe that God has a mission. We don't care about a season. Amen. And so Memorial Day is typically where you might see some other churches drop down to one service or change their programming because they realize that people go away. Well, can I tell you something? The enemy doesn't go away, right? The attacks on marriages don't go away. The attacks on people's finances and their psyches and all those things, those don't, the enemy doesn't clock out for the summer. Are you with me? And so we're going to be a church that doesn't either. Amen. Amen. And so for us, uh, you know, as you look at this church season, I think it's important for us to remember that we're better together and we got to stay together. I'm all for vacations. I'm all for people, uh, you know, obviously being gone and taking weekends to enjoy your family and doing travel. But we got to remember that God called us to gather. And he said in the last few days, in the last days, do not, forsake to, do not forsake the gathering together. Not the keeping up on SoundCloud, not the keeping up while you're gone on Vimeo, the gathering together of brothers and sisters. And so I'm not here to try to get you to keep coming to church. What I'm here to do is try to get you to understand that, that we're called to be together. We're better together. There's power in us working together. It's the only way that will affect and change and make a difference in our community. 
All of us coming through the doors would say, we want to see our church make a difference. We want to see a move in our community. We want to see God make an impact. But the backside of all of those statements are great effort, great work, great commitment on our behalf. Amen. Amen. There's a story that gives us a really good picture in Exodus chapter 17. Uh, Many of you have heard the story, but Joshua, uh, he's uh, in the middle of a battle. And so he's leading Israel into battle and uh, Moses is up on the mountain. And so what we see here uh, is the Amalekites are, are fighting and Joshua is down in the battle and God tells Moses to go up on the mountain and oversee it. And so you have people doing the work, you have an overseer in place, and then the overseer also has helpers, which is Aaron and her. And the scripture says that as long as Moses' arms were raised, Israel would be winning the battle down in the trenches. But what, of course, begins to happen is Moses' arms tire. And when his arms go down, they then begin to lose the battle. So when fatigue sets in, when you begin to let your guard down, when you begin to try to take that selfish break, are you with me? Then the battle, the ground begins to lose to the enemy. And so he has people in his life that come alongside him, Aaron and her. And the scripture says that they hold up his arms until they see the victory. But what I love about this story in chapter, uh, it's chapter 17, verse 14, that gives us this really cool um, take home. And it's this in verse 14. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, write an account of this victory so that it will be remembered. Why does he want us to remember it? Why does he want them to remember it? Because it's a perfect picture of how the people of God need to work together and be better together. He's like saying, I want this story to be for my people always. So write it down and make sure it's known. It says, tell Joshua that I will completely destroy uh, the Amalekites. Moses built an altar and named the Lord is my banner. He said, hold high the banner of the Lord. The Lord will continue to fight the Amalekites forever, forever. So what I'm trying to tell you this morning is this. Every work of evil, every work of of the enemy, everything, God has already promised that forever he will fight that for us. How, though, when we work together? When we hold each other's arms up, when we see fatigue happen, we don't step back. Instead, we step in. Are you with me? We give our best efforts in how we serve the church, how we give to the church, how we speak of one another. That's how we see this victory against the Amalekites forever. Who's the Amalekites in our life? It's the things that defy the kingdom of God. It's, it's darkness. It's all of the things that we see happening in our communities. What is the army of God? It's you and me operating in the kingdom. It's us being a people saying, hey, we're not going to be sideline people. We're going to be people getting in, working together, holding up one another's arms to see the enemy defeated. Amen? Amen. So I brought eight points, and I want to share those with you. They're really quick, and, and typically I would preach a little bit more. This is going to be a little bit more like teachy. I actually would give this sermon or this talk if I go to another church and speak to leaders. But really, the scripture says that we're all kings and priests. So everybody in this room is a leader. Everybody in this room is called to something. So I'm going to give you eight points that's going to help us work together, be better together, serve, hold each other's arms up so that we can see victory. Amen. So this applies to everybody. So my first point that I want you to know is that you must take responsibility for your role in the battle. All of you are in the battle, good and evil. You feel it on the inside of you. You're all in this thing. Because you're here, you're automatically enrolled in the good versus evil. And obviously, I'm believing that you're pulling 
for good and you're working for God's kingdom. But we have to recognize and understand that you have a responsibility. You have a role in this battle. You don't get to decide, hey, am I going to do this today? Am I not going to do this today? God's given us every day. He's told us to number them and spend them accordingly. Why? Because we have a role in it. I believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose. And your purpose isn't just to get by. See, we get programmed and we get trained like, oh, it's another Monday. Oh, it's Wednesday. Just hump day. Got to get through it. Oh, Friday, working for the weekend. And we have this model of just get through. No, every day is an opportunity because you were created on purpose for a purpose and God wants to use you. Understand that you have a great responsibility in this battle. Amen. Amen. One of the mindsets that you should have when it comes to either coming to this place or serving in your community or at your job or your workplace, you have a responsibility to be a light in darkness. You have a responsibility to make a difference. And I think one of the mindsets you should have is this. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Like that God uniquely chose you to make a difference. You say, well, that kind of goes against what you're saying. Yeah, we're all called to do our part. We're all called to have a mindset of God has chosen me and equipped me and built me to make a difference today. And when we all do our part, it makes us better together. Amen. Amen. But I think a lot of times we have this mindset. We, we, we come into situations and we say, yeah, I know God created me. I know God's got a plan for me. I know God wants to use me. And then you get into a situation and you think, man, I better call the pastor. Oh, we better go call somebody else. They know better. And we wait for somebody else to take it. No, God has created you on purpose for a purpose and understand, just have that mentality that God has seen you able. God has seen you able. Amen. Amen. And so this church is your church. Have that mindset of this church is my church and it's responsibility. It's my responsibility. If this church is going to grow, it's because you're going to help it grow. If we're going to see people saved and healed and set free, it's because you're going to be somebody who's doing those things in people's lives. Amen. And that's a great honor. That's a great benefit that we have is we have responsibility in the kingdom of God. But I think a lot of times um, as Christians and church attenders, we end up with the rental car mentality. If you've ever rented a rental car, um, how many know you're not as conscious about its care? So the first thing you do is see how it accelerates aggressively. I'm not. I've heard people do. But you see how it aggressively, if something gets dropped, you're not so quick to clean it up, right? You can kind of take it or leave it. The rental car, you just don't have that much thing. But I hope that's not our heart toward the church. Uh, You know, it's in my life and it does some things for me and I'm here. I'm glad that it's here. But I could also take it and leave it. It's kind of here a little, there a little. I don't have that much total care about it. If I did drop something on it or if I drop it, I don't care that much. I just, are you with me? Yeah. This is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. This is his beloved. We can't have this mindset of like, oh, it's this thing. I just use it here and there. It's kind of a part of my life. It's kind of what I, no, it should be something we cherish and have great responsibility and care for. Amen. Yeah. I believe the philosophy of you can do things unto God. And he will bless you even if no one else notices. So so come in and and make decisions for people and connect with people and love people and and have responsibility in the kingdom. Even if nobody else is acknowledging it, God is. Amen. Amen. Number two, in this working together and better together is, is in our role in this thing is number two is make room for God to use you. We got to make room for God to use us. 
So many people say, oh, God's just not showing up in my life. Oh, God's just not doing anything. God's just not using anything. Well, tell me what your week looks like. And you're going to say, well, we got this, and the kids are in 13 sports, and we haven't been to church in seven years, and we got all these things. It's like, well, there's no room for God in your life. That's why you can't experience him. That's why you're not, not feeling used by him. That's why you're not feeling. It's because you've made everything else a priority other than being used by God. We sit and pray, God, I want to be greatly used. God, I want to do this. I want to do that. And then God's like, I would love it if you would just make some room for me to do those things. And I know that sounds really practical, but make some room. God is into organization. He's strategic about how he enters and how he does moves. And so we need to literally make room. You say, well, what does that mean, make room? It means spend time with him more than just your ride to work where you're quickly eating a bagel and the radio's on and you're doing all things. Make space, make room for God. Schedule into your calendar consistent time serving at the church. And it's quiet in here today. Whew, that was a... Uh, God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to be used by you. And then the church is like, hey, we'd love to use you and get you plugged in. And then you're like, here's two Sundays a year, two and a half. I'll give you a half. <laughs> No, make room, make the room for God to use you effectively. Amen. Jesus is into structure. He's into structure. Jesus separated the multitudes into groups when he performed the miracle with five loaves and two fish. He structured 12 disciples. We know that he showed organization in the way that he literally put your body together. I'm thankful that my nose isn't placed next to my armpit. Amen. Like he <laughs> thought about some things. Uh, he's into structure. I think if you make places for God, God will show up in those places. And that's how we work better together is when we, we make room for God. Uh, I think it's important for us to just pay attention and be diligent with the time that we are showing up to things. Do you know that the scripture says about David? It says that the command of David to go down to his brothers, where Goliath would eventually show up. Do you know, basically, he was the pizza boy. Uh, he's like, hey, David, go down to your brothers, bring them some cheese and crackers, you know, deep dish. They need that. And the scripture says that he arose early and then the scripture says, shortly after he arose, David showed up. So simply by being on time and being diligent of the thing that he was ordered, his destiny presented itself to him. Yeah. I'm telling you, if we just show up on time to some things, if we just present ourselves at the right places at the right time, I believe that God opens your destiny doors to you. Make those room for God to use you. Amen. Amen. Another good idea in making room for God is don't overcommit. I think we live in a culture where we're always trying to over-impress. We need to be involved in everything. We need to have a say about everything. We need to, and, and I believe it's better for us to be really excellent at one or two things than really terrible at a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Let's ask God the, the few important things that we need to be doing and then stick to those with our whole heart. Amen? Amen. So maybe for you, again, it's picking a, a ministry or an area that you say, I'm going to wholeheartedly give myself to these things and I'm going to be committed and I'm going to be in and, and God's going to show up in that in your life. Amen? Another one, as we work together and be better together, is uh, we have to believe in each other. Number three is believe in each other. Everybody needs a pat on the back. Everybody, every, you could say every week, every day, somebody needs a pat on the back. Just because you see somebody accomplishing something or in your mind you see them growing, it doesn't mean they still don't need a pat on the back. Let's encourage one another. Let's speak life. Amen. We say it all the time. People will rise or fall to the level of your praise. If we speak about them up here, they're going to get to that. If we speak about people down here, they're going to fall to that. We need to speak well over them. Amen. That's why God called Gideon a mighty man of valor while he was what? Hiding in a cave. 
He came up and he spoke to his purpose and his potential instead of his present condition. We got to start showing up and speaking life over one another, encouraging one another, speaking their purpose. Amen. Amen. So those are ways that I think it's important for us as a church, as we interact, as we do things. Uh, we're getting ready in the next couple of weeks to kick off our community groups, ways that we're going to hang out this summer and connect and be better together. I think we get in those groups and we, we go into them speaking life over one another, believing over one another, encouraging one another. Amen. Amen. So we got to believe in one another. There's too many church people beating up too many church people. There's too many church denominations and posts and groups and you know, I can't even read comments under anything Christian video now because of the way that we eat each other up. I don't have the scripture with me now, but there's a scripture that says, basically, if we keep going at each other that way, we will devour one another until there's nothing left. If we don't be careful as a church culture, that's where the church is headed, is we've devoured one another and the enemy didn't even have to do it. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So we got to believe in one another. Number four, this is a tough one for some people, real easy for others, but this is a really good one. Uh, you got to make real connections in being together and seeing our church grow and seeing our community be impacted and make a difference. We're not going to be able to do that without real connections, real relationships, authentic, non-judgmental, real connections. Examples of that are this. I believe here People, you know, they look around and they say, oh, I want to be used like that person, or I want to see God use me like this, or I would like to grow into that sometime. And be the, I'll tell you this, uh, some of the most connected people in the church are people who make the most connections. What I'm trying to say is the people who end up with the, the most connections, the most, they're the most connected, they're the same people that are getting coffee and talking to people. They're coming early. They're staying late. They're shaking hands. They're slapping people. They're asking them how they're doing. They're getting to, their kids are hanging out. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We have so many people come into the church and they say, oh, you know, well, we're leaving uh, because, you know, we just couldn't get connected. And I'm like, well, that's weird because I didn't see you at men's breakfast. I didn't see you. At, and I just go on and on and on and on and on. They didn't make a real effort at actually getting connected. And so I think some of us fall into that trap too of like, I just don't feel connected. I just don't. Well, every single week I say that our volunteer booth is open. You can join a team and get plugged in. Yeah. Are you with me? <laughs> and, and it's kind of a fun, funny way for me to say, though, I, I realize that that's uncomfortable for some to walk across the room and shake a hand or ask how you're doing. Or I get that about real. But I'm telling you, if you make those efforts, God will honor that and make a good connection for you. So for us to be better together, we can't just zip in here five minutes late and leave as soon as service is done. Let's go around and say, hey, let's make sure we're hanging out and, and, and showing up to all the things that we put together. Yeah. Amen. Real connections. I believe it like this. People won't come to this place and leave if we've connected with them and shook their hands and spent time talking to them. I don't believe anyone would ever leave the church and say, hey, we are not going back there. It is just way too friendly. I mean, I had way too nice of a time. Those people, they just cared too much. Let's try another one. No, if we're here making real connections, really loving on people in an authentic way, I believe that's how God designed the church to be. Amen. We got to make real connections. The sad part for me is this. Most people don't stay at a church because of the sermon or song. They stay at a church. It's sad for me. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's a sad thing. Like, it shouldn't be happening. People should be coming for the sermons only. <laughs> I'm saying... Uh, people come and connect and stay at a church statistically, you know, study after study is because they've made vital connections with other people and they're growing as a body yeah. together. Amen. Amen. 
And so that's what we got to do. We got to go around and we got to have real conversations and make real connections and connect with one another. Amen. We say it like this and, uh, I forget who makes a statement, but it's this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what we got to do. We got to let our community know, hey, they don't care about my sermon. They don't care about a song lyric. They don't care about any of that until they can sense how much we really care about them and their life and their story. Amen? So we got to make those real connections. So make it maybe your goal is uh, I don't expect you to get here at 9 or 1045. Um, but somewhere in the middle of the five-minute countdown, the five-minute grace window, if you can make it in there, <laughs> it'll be a good step. Amen. Amen. Preach it, Pastor. You are so... <laughs> Thanks. My mother says that. Number five. This is, a, this is a tough one, too. Learn from mistakes, not lean from mistakes. So too many people leaning away from this possibility of making a mistake. So many people meet with us or connect with us or at other leadership platforms we're at. They come and they say, oh, we once tried this and it didn't work. And so now I will never do something again. They're worried about a mistake. God's called them, inspired them. The situation may not have been perfect. I don't know the reason it didn't work. But a mistake was made and something failed and forever they pull themselves out of God using them because they're afraid of another mistake. It's a huge disservice to what God wants to do to you. Can I tell you this? The strengths of this church, the things that you value and I value are all learned from my greatest mistakes, my greatest shortcomings. The things that were the worst are now our best. I'm telling you, make some mistakes. You know, the whole thing about Babe Ruth, he's like, you know, got the most home runs, but also the most strikeouts at the same time. So many of us think greatness is like a perfect record. No, greatness is getting up to the plate every time and giving your best no matter what. Thomas Edison took 1,400 tries to invite the light bulb, 2,500 tries to make the battery. He just kept trying and trying and trying, even though there was failure. I would rather achieve 80% of my potential with mistakes than achieve 10% of my potential with no mistakes. It's okay if we mess it up, if we're learning from it. Amen? That's why the scripture promises forgiveness. And then after we mess it up and we ask forgiveness, the scripture says God throws those things from even his memory. Why? Because they don't matter when we're pursuing all of God. So don't lean from the, the possibility of mistakes. Lean in to growing and, and, and coming together and being better together. Amen. Amen. This kind of goes with that. But point number six is if we're better together and we're growing together, and I realize this is a different kind of sermon, but I want you to hone in on these points. If we can all do a little bit better in these areas, I believe as a church we can be better, better together. Amen. Yeah. Point number six, and some of you are like, oh, I knew he was going to say this. Point number six is get out of your comfort zone. For us to be better together, we got to get out of our comfort zones. You know, we've created church cultures. When I say we, I mean church in America. We've created what I described in the beginning, church comfort zones that literally we've said, we're this kind of church or denomination, and this is our comfort zone. And we're never going to leave this. We're never going to do more than this. This is what we do every year. And it's just about these four walls in this perfect comfort zone. But the scripture, if you follow Jesus' life, he's like the guy who ruined comfort zones. He would come into place and say, oh, you've heard it said like that and you're comfortable with that? I say it like this. And they were like, oh. 
And then he would come in and say, oh, you need healing? Oh, you heard where a guy, I prayed for him. And he, well, how about this? Let's do mud in your eyes on this one. Wait, what? Or he tells the leper, like, oh, go down and dip. And they're like, well, no, I'm not supposed to go down there and dip in the pool. I'm not supposed to because he's the comfort zone destroyer. It's like the song that we sing. He calls us out on the water. So this whole idea of like, oh, we should create a church where we understand everybody and we understand culture and we, and we keep it comfort. Jesus was the opposite. He, he was the call us out. He's counter culture. That's why he said to Peter, your culture inside that boat is your thing. I'm a counter culture guy. So come out and walk on the water. His call is always to the impossible, the things that we don't always understand. He's a miraculous God, not a comfort zone God. He's a comforter, but not a comfort zoner. Amen. And so get out of our comfort zones. Comfort zones kill your ability to become great. Anytime that you want to grow, you have to release places in your life that you're not comfortable operating in. Does that make sense? So anytime you have opportunity to grow, you need to find the places that are going to make you uncomfortable and then give those to God because that's where your opportunity for growth is. Amen. I'm so grateful for this team and this church. We uh, I had a wedding here last night, and I'm not kidding you. I walked out these doors at like 5.30, and I was like, oh, man, tomorrow's going to be great. You know, we, we got a head start on some things. Everything's, you know, what a great morning. And then I basically walked back in these doors 12 hours later, a little bit more, and uh, all the wheels had fallen off everything. <laughs> and we had people missing, and we had all this stuff. But our team just rallied. They just broke out of their comfort zones. People were doing things that they've never done and served in another way before, and they made everything happen great. Tiffany just found out this morning that she was leading these three songs. <laughs> like, that is out of the comfort zone. Amen? Give it up for her. <clears throat> I'm so grateful for people that are like, hey, I'm going to give up my comfort zones to see people's needs met. Amen? Rivers are so crooked because they follow the path of least resistant. If you want a life that's all over the place and there's no, then go ahead and, and, and try to stay in all your comfort zones. But it's going to take you over this flip-flop, all this. Let's be, let's be after God. Let's give up our comfort zones so that we can have maximum momentum. Amen. Amen. I'll close with this. My last point, and I'll break it up in an acronym. These are some ways that we need to be in action to people as we're better together. Point number seven is how we love people. And I broke up this word love uh, into an acronym, it's this. The first thing for L is we simply need to just listen to people. We need to just listen to people. We got too many people giving speeches. We got way too many people with opinions. If, we could, if this could just be a place where the hurting, the heartbroken, the sick, if they come in and they can find a place that's gonna listen to them, genuinely care for them, before they get a speech, before they get told what's wrong, we, did, we have such a bigger impact. Yeah. Amen? You do it naturally with your kids. When you see your kids are upset or they're hurting or they're off and they come into you, into the room, what do you do? You get in their face and you say, tell me. Tell me what happened. What's wrong? How do you feel? It'd be ridiculous if our kids came around the corner and we were already, what's wrong with you? You're doing it wrong. Blah, blah, blah. But that's what the church does in cultures, doesn't it? We're so ready with speeches. We're so ready with our agendas. And we're so ready to, we need to be a people that listen. They come in and we genuinely listen. We genuinely care. Amen. And then with that, number two for O is offer advice. We listen and then we offer our advice. We say things like this. Hey, I've been through that before. 
Do you want to hear how God helped me? And we offer our advice back to the hurting world. We don't shove it down their throat. We don't beat them with the Bible. We come together better together and we say, I've been through something like that before. And God delivered me. God saved me. You want to hear about it? Amen. V, value people. We got to value people. We have to be a church that comes together and genuinely values people. You know, for us, even this idea, you know, a lot of pastors and people and ministries, you know, they, they'll take that summer break and they'll, they'll, they'll do the thing. And, but for me, we got to stay after it. Why? Because I value people's lives. We can't let up because the enemy's not letting up. We want people set free and chains broken and taken from the things that are holding them. So it's not about people sitting in a seat or a church attendance or a number. It's about that we genuinely care for people. When they hurt, we hurt. Amen. So we have to value people for who they are. Don't look at where they are. Be spiritual enough to see on the inside and see their destiny. People who are missing it or people who are hurting or people who are in sin, we look at their outside and we go, oh, look at that. Look at what they're doing. Of course, their life is messed up. They're doing those stupid things. Let's be spiritual enough to look at the inside. Amen. Look inside and go, hey, God created them. He's got a purpose for them. He's got a destiny that's still on the inside of them. Let's value them in that. Amen. And then come around them and care for them. And then the last part we alluded to a little bit already is E, which is encourage them. We got to just encourage. Scripture says life and death is in the power of our tongue. What we say over each other matters. What we speak into each other's lives matter. We got to build each other up, not tear each other down. So we encourage one another. People that come in and other people that are gathering as we get better together, you come in and you say, man, I'm so excited to see how God's moving in your life. I'm so excited to see this going on and that going on. I'm so proud of you to do this and do that. Let's encourage one another. That's what it says. Do not forsake. And I'm getting into next week's sermon, but do not forsake the gathering together. And it says, but instead it's, it's to cheer each other on, to spur another toward good works. What is it doing? It's saying, hey, get together and keep encouraging each other to more, to more. Amen. Encourage one another. Speak life over each other. That's how we're better together. Amen. So I hope you take these points and I hope you kind of look at your life and go, all right, coming together, being together, uh, we can make these adjustments to heal and bring hope to our community. Amen.